Before I get into this episode, I have to tell you about Making Marketing. It's a weekly conversation with the people who are leading and innovating the world of marketing, be it data, brand safety, transparency, relationship with platforms, or emerging markets like cannabis. They're at the front line. Some of our recent guests include David Tanzer of MedMen, IBM's Michelle Peluso, and GoPro's Nick Woodman. Tune in on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sangul, and this time I'm bringing you a session from the Digiday Programmatic Summit we recently held in Scottsdale, Arizona. The delicate and complicated dance that is the exchange of ad space on virtual market requires the perfect team, a true partnership between the buy and sell side of the business. This session with Chip Skank, VP of Programmatic Strategy at Meredith, will provide a look into how the right collaboration can yield success on all sides and how a rocky relationship can mean the end of a program, especially as publishers are becoming platforms themselves. So a few years ago, I was up here um, and uh, I was asked to talk about, uh, about deals done right, like what makes a good deal and what do we have to do to, to build a good deal. And uh, it was early days of, uh, of private marketplace, and um, it was fun because we could talk about a lot of the things that a lot of the things that people weren't doing yet. Um, but I come today; it's 10 a.m. It's the first session on on the second day, and it used to be that the shittiest session was the first session on the last day because everyone was hungover and all of your content had been covered. We've had four sessions, and pretty much all of my content's been covered. So. Stay with me and we'll, uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, so what we did, uh, what we did this, is with the, this is the slide we showed a few years ago, which is how, like, how do you make a deal? What's the behavior uh, that each buyer and seller need to exhibit? What are the do's and the don'ts? And uh, some things have worked out, right? Some things have, have worked out where we know that you know, some people are sharing auction insights and they're getting there. Right? But other things haven't worked out so well. Like, don't ask for guaranteed viewability. That didn't pan out so well because that's the first ask that most buyers have. Um, so what we did is we graded. Uh, we graded ourselves and we graded the buyers. And uh, it's very interesting because when we talk about sharing data, yesterday was uh, transparency was a big, uh, a big part of what we were talking about, right, that everyone's talking about, which is can you share auction data and whatnot. And from the buy side, what we've noticed is that the DSPs, um, and even in some cases the ATDs, have always been really good about sharing insights, right? But they've been stymied a little bit and have been, have been able to share less because they're under contract with agencies that actually start to prevent them from sharing. But agencies have basically gotten a D because there is this, in, this, this role or this goal of information asymmetry. If you think about how agencies have negotiated for decades, it's about withholding information in a negotiation so that, right, so that they can gain an advantage. But that's the wrong way to approach programmatic because you need information symmetry for a deal to succeed. So this whole idea of sharing data. Um, sharing, de uh, sharing deal points um, has been, uh, the buyers have actually done a really good job of, of helping us understand both deal points and the why. And that's because that's what agencies, for the most part, who've taken over a lot of programmatic buying are really good at. Um, but here's where we have a big fail. And the big fail is 
that uh, a majority of platforms share uh, deal metrics, right? Uh, and share bid metrics. But there's one platform that does not. And the goal, and it's one of the largest platforms, if not the largest, and the goal uh, and challenge here is that the agencies can push for these, uh, for these bid metrics to be released, but they do not want to. And they don't want to because it's an information asymmetry. It's an advantage. And so we gave them a big F on that. And it's critical for these guys uh, to do this because there's not a realization that we can help them more. So moving on, sellers. We're getting better at sharing auction insights because we're doing it. The challenge is that we're actually just sharing everything that the buyer already knows. We're sharing the CPM. We're sharing the, right, the number of impressions sold, et cetera. Um, but what's happening is, what, you know, so we're doing a good job of that. But what we're not doing is we're not sharing the insight behind it. We're not sharing the so what, and we're not sharing uh, uh, ways for it to get better, right? ways for people to, to improve their auction. Not, not because the buyer wants or the seller wants more money, but because this is what's good for your brand. You shouldn't be buying this inventory. You should be buying the, that inventory. And then we as, as sellers have not done a good job of differentiating in our product and in our inventory. It came up in the, a little bit in the session yesterday, and so I want to talk a little bit about that. This is what we proposed three years ago, right? All of it still stands to be true today. There's really no difference, right? We're still guiding. We're still pushing for all of this. Um, but some things have changed, right? Besides LeBron James winning, right, the the NBA, uh, the uh, champ, the basketball championship, and besides the Olympics, and besides an election last year. So there are a few things that have changed, but these are important drivers for how we're going to be doing deals in the future. Number one is the resurgence in open market, right? Header bidding. I hate saying the word, but let's say let's say any form of pre-bid, right, uh, decisioning has change the marketplace because it has made inventory widely available, right? And it has made inventory widely available without thought or, or real connection to the waterfall and the ad server decisioning. We still, as publishers, still use the decisioning and the order and the prioritization, but header bidding made a vast amount of inventory available to be bid on. And because of that uh, vast amount of, of, of inventory, and because the improvement in the quality through uh, initiatives like ads.txt, right, or the improvement in uh, IAS and others pre-bid uh, technologies, and quite frankly, the bigger adoption of those technologies, and like it or not, things like TrustX, and I know that, that not everyone agrees with TrustX execution, but we as an industry need something like this. Um, we need something like TrustX or some sort of combined area where there is a pool of good inventory um, we'll talk about that in a second. But all of these quality controls, plus the mass amount of inventory available, has changed right? Um, buyer's approach to, uh, uh, to open exchange. And if not to push it over the edge, as people were already leaning that direction, when first price came in, and first price really changed how PMP was being bought, and first price is only a year old. right? I think Index launched uh, last uh, November 2017. Um, you know Rubicon as well, and and others, and so first price has changed the the pricing dynamic, where a lot of buyers actually are like, I'm I'd rather start in open because the quality is there, and in many cases, even though there may be first price there, at least I have an option in second price, right? Because they're two different bidding strategies. So all of this has basically pushed a lot of buyers back into uh, into an open um, first strategy. 
The second piece is, I can't believe it, we're only a few years later, a few years into, into private marketplace, but there already is a separation in what the old PMP was and what the new PMP is. Um, and old world was basically about differences in the waterfall, but there was really no difference in the waterfall other than, in a lot of cases, everyone had their, all of their, their third party players at P12, and it just happened to be that PMP was a higher price. Okay, so there was price separation. Um, and PMP was essentially a way of quality control for buyers to access inventory and knowing what they were getting, right? And that was a huge jump in the marketplace for that time, but now it's kind of, uh, now it's rote. And then the focus on many-to-ones, right? This idea that I can get all my inventory through one pipe was a fail, right? But that's how people started. And so that created a lot of delivery issues. Um, but ultimately, PMP was an open exchange upgrade, okay? Now you've got, uh, you've got a different world because of some of the things we've talked about, right? Greater inventory access, you know, header bidding, et cetera. Because of some form of pre-bid access, right? That idea of, of you know, defining inventory and basically making it available higher in the waterfall doesn't really exist anymore. It's there, but there, have to be, there are a lot of other things that have to define what private marketplace really means. Um, and in particular, the move towards inventory and product differentiation, right? The idea of actually saying, I have different inventory going into my PMP than my open, right? And I have productization, I have products from my ad server that are available in direct that should be available and biddable. And I know Jay talked a little bit about that yesterday. <clears throat> but also the move to one-to-one, -to -one, right? Um, an example. Right, when I got to Meredith um, uh, five years ago, right, less than 1% of our revenue was one-to-ones. Now over 93% of our revenue in private marketplace is one-to-ones. And it doesn't mean that there's, a lot of, that there's not a lot of many-to-one demand, uh, there's not much many-to-one demand. It means that many-to-one demand doesn't succeed, not because of price, but because that's, an, that's not a good way of actually um, of functioning, right? The DSPs aren't meant to function that way. So, <clears throat> Part of the new world, the final, the final piece is this move towards biddable guaranteed, right, means that it's going to be a direct replacement, right? And that is how we are moving as an industry. So a note about PG, a lot of people have adopted it. There, it will have its place, but I think this reliance on PG as a way of getting guaranteed, right, IAB inventory or guaranteed video is not going to last forever. And so we have to think about how to actually think about biddable and guaranteeing and creating commits in biddable, right? That's going to be the new world of private marketplace um, as direct dollars continue to move over, right? This is an area where I start to get really uh, hot under the collar. The role of agencies, right? Um, agencies have increased their presence simply because a lot more clients are actually still using their agencies. Forget the in-housing trend for a moment. Um, are using their agencies right, to, make, uh, to make programmatic part of their media plans and to actually try to somehow bring it together. This has not been a good thing for the industry. Um, and very simply, it goes back to a couple different things. Information asymmetry, right? the way that, negotiate, uh, the way that um, agencies negotiate um, and, uh, uh, and you know, withhold information and don't share information, but also the fact that a lot of agencies came into programmatic treating it as a vehicle for profit, not for client performance. Still the case today, right? Other, you can start to see agencies who treat it as a performance metric because price is not as important to them as how the auction functions. 
Um, and you can start identifying the difference between those people who are still buying for profit, because buying for profit, they're trying to jam everything into one pipe, mark that pipe up to their clients, <coughs> right, by getting less expensive inventory from us. So I don't mean to rail against, uh, I don't mean to rail against agencies. It's not so much that. It's that we have to figure out how to, um, how to create a better uh, way of working with agencies, and part of that is changing buyer behavior. So the greater role of agencies has been, a, has been a big piece of what's going to be changing how we build deals. And then finally, SPO, right? Still really early in supply path optimization, but supply path optimization is here, right, as a direct response to header, right? The influx of inventory through multiple, through multiple uh, platforms, right, across multiple channels, Right, uh, Jay showed the um, Jay showed the ads.txt file as an example. You've got all these different places, so we have increased bid density enormously, right? Which has brought the cost of the advertisers up, and we've increased the cost of uh, of the DSPs, right? Simply because of the number of bids on the same exact inventory that have to happen. So SPO is here, and it's going to change how we start thinking about private marketplace. But obviously, because it's going to bring bid density down. But what we're seeing right now is that SPO is not really a performance management tool yet. It's more of a cost management tool. And as SPO starts to become a performance management tool for buyers, right, um, that will start to impact how we think about setting up private marketplace. <clears throat> so when we think about deals, right, um, it comes down to a couple rules that are the same as previous and a couple rules that, are, that we think are new in the way that we look at it. Um, it is all about behavior. It is all about changing buyer behavior and seller behavior. Um, and so on the right is just a, a, a little blurb that we continue to espouse and we actually put at the top of all of our presentations, right? That the power of the, 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 power of the deal, right, rests neither with the buyer or the seller. The power, right, sits in the effectiveness of the deal because each party is 50% responsible for the deal's success. That is at the head of every one of our presentations and on the cover of every one of our presentations simply because we've got a hammer at home that transparency is critical, right? And as an aside, a quick, uh, you know, a, a quick challenge to the transparency argument, we believe in full transparency. But part of that believing in full transparency is that we believe in full transparency from the buy side. Right? And so for us, it's an exchange. Right? We're happy to share with you, but we would like you to share with us. Um, and you know, I'd like to see a show of hands of how many times people have actually gotten that information from agencies. But um, so let's talk about the behavior. With seller behavior, right, it's still about sharing auction data. Right? But really, it's about sharing auction insights. And the difference I mean is not just about right, what the bids were and so on and so forth, but on what inventory, right? What's the benchmark against the rest of the auction? What's the benchmark against their competitors, right? To guide those clients in how they actually want to set up a deal, okay? Because most people come in and it's very homogenous. They want to set up the deal the same way across every publisher because it's easier. But in a world of place your bets, right? Your first goal is to be one of the 10 bets of that, of that buyer and then the second goal is to try to figure out how to actually shape the deal that's being set up according to what you, how you can make them successful, right? And it's also a focus on an education-based sale, 
right? One of the things that's happened, uh, which is if you look back over the last five or six years, is that a lot of the sellers who've come into market on private marketplace for publishers actually have come from ops and have come from tech, right? Um, and so there's been a lot of feature-driven uh, discussion. But it really has to be a focus now on the so what and on an education-based sale. The so what is very much about the why. Why is this going to work for you, right? It's a little bit going back to sales 101, but that is important because now you're in a sea of inventory if you're a buyer, and you pretty much can buy anything you want, right, by going to the open first. So that differentiation and that understanding of why is really important, right? We have to influence planners, right? The way that we look at it at Meredith is when in working with our direct team, that if a budget gets split, right, if it's decisioned, if it's a planned at one level and then decisioned by the same people, then we can actually stay together as a team with the direct, with the direct sellers and work together on trying to, con trying to convert programmatic dollars into some form of direct support. But many cases, I would say 90% of the cases, it's planned in one place and then pushed separately so the dollars are decisioned separately. Right? Decisioned by a programmatic team and decisioned by a, a direct planning team. And by that, each of those teams is deciding how the money gets spent, where the money gets spent. So part of the behavior of changing deals is actually working upstream with the planners, the direct planners, the comms planners, the strat planners, and getting them to see how they need to push suggestions and or dictates to their programmatic teams. I'm giving you a $5 million budget, but 200,000 has to be carved out for Pandora, 100,000 has to be carved out for Turner, right? Whatever it might be. And the reason that is, is because if you actually let those dollars go down, they're already thinking on a non-guaranteed basis. So our job as sellers is to influence further upstream by helping and show the conversion of those dollars and how the, and how the programmatic capabilities can support what Direct is doing. That means productization. We've got to have the same product suite across both. And then finally, this whole idea of value beyond price. <clears throat> and this is something that we focus on with our team every day. And value beyond price is price is your first lever. Uh, price is one of your key levers. But problematically, it's always the first lever. And we have to add more levers for the buyers to use. Right? Simple things like prioritization, which many of us already do. But repackaging. Right? Customization, exclusivity. What are all the levers that you can put into your deal right, that are differentiated from price? Price is still going to come to play. Right? But in almost half of our negotiations, when someone comes and says that they want four and our rate card is eight, right, we may or may not have to give a little bit, but we're never coming even close to four because we are pulling a bunch of other levers by repackaging inventory. Right? by giving them, on a price basis, the third and fourth refreshed impression rather than the first impression in the session. Right? All this different packaging that allows us to give them what they need but still maintain price for the impressions that deserve the highest price. And from a buyer perspective, um, we, need to, we need to get them to share the auction insights, right? similar to what we're, uh, what we've been, what we're trying to do as publishers. Um, but it's really about changing their behavior on auction metrics, right? Uh, and on metrics that they see. Um, I said it yesterday, I probably shouldn't say it publicly, um, but I'm dumb, so I'll say it again. If you are an open, if you're planning an open exchange as a buyer, 
right? And your core metric is viewable CPM, right? And that's what you're looking at across all of your inventory, then I as a publisher, I'm gonna be smart enough to actually get you viewable inventory at a price that seems reasonable. Same thing in PMP. But in reality, is what they're buying actually good for their end goal? Maybe not, right? So we have to think about getting them to think beyond the metric. It's yes, you're finding highly viewable inventory in the open marketplace. Great, good for you. But you've just bought a billion 320 by 50s on the seventh refresh. I'm not sure that that's helping you move product, right? So, it's our, so we have to change that behavior of seeing the metric and then helping them understand what's behind that metric because that's gonna move them a little bit further upstream to thinking about how they can use PMP for achieving some of those metrics and open for achieving others. And that is part of that value beyond price, okay? That's where we have to get them thinking about value beyond price, but it has to start with the publishers of changing and increasing and, and creating those levers. Okay, so what's 2.0, right? Again, you'll see some of this is relevant uh, to previously and some of it is new, right? Differentiate your PMP. Holy crap, you've got to separate your inventory pools, right? It is so important. Whether you have a billion impressions a month or you have a million impressions a month, right? Separating your inventory pools will allow you to actually figure out how you're pricing each of those separate inventory pools. It allows you to ask for more, right, on, on one pool, and you won't get as little as you think on the other pool that may not be as good, right? It is about packaging, so differentiate your PMP, right? Your inventory, your products. We have now migrated over 95% of our DFP catalog to become biddable, right? We've been working on it for five years. Um, and we've migrated about 50% of our proprietary catalog to being biddable. And that's, that's important because now I can actually go in and not have to talk about price. I can talk about which way is better for you to transact. Same price. Is it better for you to transact through our ad server because we're going to pick better impressions? Or is it better for you to pick through your DSP because you're going to decision differently than we would? And so therefore, you're going to make it perform better than we can. Right? So differentiation. And then ultimately, packaging. Right? We see a big move in the marketplace towards performance buyers. Now that sounds like, well, duh, that's what programmatic has been for a long time. But I'm not talking about the former direct response folks. I'm talking about all of those um, instigator or disruptor brands that have gone direct to consumer already. Think Warby Parker or, uh, or uh, Dollar Shave Club, recently bought by Unilever. Right? These guys are going to need packaging. Because they can go into the open market right now and they can buy as much of your inventory as you want, and this is where the future money is coming from. Top 100 brands' budgets have declined by 5% over the last five years, but yet dig in digital. But yet digital is growing by 12 or 13%. Why? It's because of these other brands. So we have to think about packaging, right? Much more than we did in the past. Don't get used to higher prices. Who's had an advertiser complain about first price auction being too expensive? Really? Okay, I'll get off the stage now. <laughs> right? Don't get used to higher prices, right? There was a big spike in first price auction, but first price auction and second price auction will find their, right, will each find their level. We've already seen, we've already started to see uh, bidders manage first price auction better through things like obviously bid shading <clears throat> on the DSP or the SSP side. 
but also understanding what bid to win really means. And those prices will level out. The other reason is, is that as bid density drops because supply path optimization right, is really starting to take hold and there are fewer impressions right, in the marketplace, it's really the same number of impressions you know, duplicated across however many platforms, um, bid density is gonna drop. And naturally when bid density drop, pricing power is gonna drop. Okay, and that's actually gonna be felt much harder and much faster uh, in first price auction than in second price auction. Okay, so start thinking about how you're gonna use first price versus second price when you're actually building your deals, right? We talked about creating levers for buyers already, right? Share, 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 that's another big and important piece of what we, of what we talk about, um, but we have to eliminate information asymmetry, right? It has no place in the programmatic market. And if there's one goal that you take away, which is how are we gonna eliminate information asymmetry? Keep educating on tech, right? One of the things that actually made Header so, uh, um, so pervasive so quickly was the fact that there was a lot of education on what it actually meant. While there was a lot of misinformation, there was a lot of education, and that helped. So what's next, right? What is the next big piece? And I think it will be something along the lines of bid caching and why it's actually good for both buyer and seller. Right? And then ultimately push that integration right, of direct and programmatic. The challenge is that agencies haven't been able to figure out how to do it, whereas a lot of the publishers in this room have been able to figure out how to merge their direct and their programmatic sales teams. But we've got to continue pushing our buyers to figure out how to influence, I mean, how to, how to migrate and merge those plans. And part of that is going to be us influencing further up the chain to get to those planners. So finally, when we think about overall, right, we've been talking about it being a buyer's market and we've been talking about it being a seller's market. Originally, it was a buyer's market, right? Race to the bottom. PMP came along and then it was a seller's market. We are now at a stage when we can make it a market and let the actual auction dynamics take hold and do its work. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm Aditi Sango. Did you like the show? Then rate us and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the podcast. Please, please do it. It really helps our podcast to be discovered. And you can also write to me or tweet at me. I'm at Aditi Sangul on Twitter or email me at aditi at I'll be back soon with another episode. 